This message is brought to you by Living Faith Church. You can find us on the web at livingbyfaith.com. I'm going to read something for you, so you don't need to open your Bibles. It's the story of when Moses um, meets God in the burning bush. But I just want to read a little excerpt from it, and then I'll speak with you about it. Exodus chapter 3, verses 11 to 14. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt. So he said, I will certainly be with you, and this will be a sign to you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Then Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they say to me, What, has, what is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. We all know the story really well. Um, And Moses is probably one of the most, well, he is one of the most well-known characters in the Bible. Um, The thing about Moses is he's just known for his great accomplishments. Moses is known as actually being the person who was involved and went and spoke with Pharaoh. And then we had all of the plagues and we had all the most miraculous things that happened. And then he ended up taking roughly 5 million people out of Egypt, taking them with him. And then they ended up crossing the Red Sea and then they got into the the desert and they were crossing the desert and God did all kinds of miracles through Moses. He, he lived an experience. He lived and experienced a life with God that most people never do. Are you with me this morning? Okay. That most people never do. But he did incredible things with God. But it was important that you know that and that you realize that because the thing is, right here is where everything started. This is where the initial conversation between God and Moses took place. At this point, Moses didn't know what was down the way. And God's talking to him and God is painting pictures for him about the life that he's going to live. And he's painting pictures for him about what he wants for Moses to achieve for him. And he starts chatting to him about those things. And it's quite interesting because in this context, what we begin to realize is that Moses comes face to face with the reality that he really doesn't have the ability to do what God calls him to do. And because he doesn't have the ability to do it, he starts making all kinds of excuses why he can't partner with God. And he starts throwing them out at God. And I think very often in our walk with God, what ends up happening is we we notice and we recognize the fact that we don't have the ability to do really the things that God has called us to do. And the opportunity for us in the space is to begin to recognize it. If we moved into that place, we've really lost the point. What Moses forgot about in this entire equation was the fact that this really wasn't about Moses at all. The whole conversation was really about God and what God wanted to do. And what he was trying to do in that space is he was trying to get Moses to a place where Moses recognized the fact that he was just simply saying to Moses, will you allow me to work through you? I'm not asking you to do it. I need for you to work, to partner with me, but let me do it. What he was looking for is he was looking for a representative on earth that he could use to be his mouthpiece, that he could use to be the conduit through which he could work. In essence, what really God was doing in the space was he was introducing Moses what it was to be a branch connected to the vine. 
What he was saying to Moses was, I want to do incredible things through you. And I want you to realize that it's not up to you and your ability to do any of those things. But if you can understand and you can partner with me in these things, what will end up happening is who I am will be able to work through you and get some stuff done. He was talking to Moses about his ability to be able to link and connect with the spirit dimension We've been talking over the last couple of weeks about the importance of becoming spiritual people, people who recognize that we are not only natural people, but God's initial design when he created man was that he created us as a spirit inside of a body. It was called a living soul. But his intention was that the spiritual dimension, part to who we were, always connected with God, who is spirit who had informed our life, and as a result of that, we took those things and introduced it into the natural realm. In his conversations with Moses, what he was doing was, he was introducing Moses to the idea that there is a realm that transcends the natural realm. It's the realm of God. And what he was saying was, if you can begin to understand and partner with me, if you can change your vision, the way that you hear things, the way that you see things, and the way that you interpret both who you are in your life situations, if you can get to know me for who I am, it'll position you in a place where I can take the things that are not visible to the senses and introduce them to the natural realm. The invitation he was really extending to Moses was this, do you want to be somebody that I work through? Moses asks probably the most important question, and I think it's a question that is so important for us to be able to answer. And the question that he asks is this, he says, who am I? Who am I that I should do this? Really what it was was another example and and kind of an extension of ability because what he was doing was coming face to face with the fact that he was replete with inability to be able to do what God wanted him to do. He was filled with the inabilities of who he was and what he was about. But really what God was sitting saying to him is, I'm so glad you asked me that question, Moses, because if you want to know who you are, let me introduce you to who I am. I am that I am. I want to speak to you this morning about who am I in relationship with I am that I am. He was saying to Moses, I want to do some things through you, Moses. And the thing is, who you see yourself as being and who you recognize yourself as being, the inabilities that you see, the inadequacies that you recognize are quite inconsequential in my economy. I want you to understand something that if we're going to partner together, you have to understand that I am that I am is to become the source of everything. And it's going to start off with you answering that question. Who am I? Who am I? Um, Let me see if I want to go there. Okay. So in Africa, we have this incredible bird called an ostrich. It's a big bird. The thing about an ostrich is you know it's a bird because it has bird legs. They're big, but they're bird legs. It's two of them. It runs around on them. It's got feathers. It lays eggs. It has a beak. You know that it's a bird. The only problem with an ostrich is that it's never flown. It's a bird, 
but it lives on land. The problem with it is this. The nature of birds is to fly. The nature of birds is to fly. It's not to be a ground being. The thing about an ostrich is that it is a bird, and technically it's a bird, and by all accounts and purposes, it looks like a bird. The problem with it is it's never experienced the full nature of what it was designed to do. It's never flown. And it reminds me of many Christians. Many Christians look like Christians, and we fill the, fit the bill of being Christians. And technically, we are Christians. The challenge with it is we've never experienced the fullness of the nature that God has given to us. We've never flown. We spend our lives running around on land. And if anybody sees us, they look at us and they sit and say, that's definitely a bird. But it's never got into the sky. It's never experienced the fullness of the nature that it was designed for. As us as born-again believers, what is the goal and ambition of your life? Yes, Lord. <laughs> Sorry about that one. <laughs> what is the goal and the ambition of your life? Do you have an objective that you're trying to accomplish in your relationship with God? Are you going somewhere consequential? Do you have a, 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 a place that you're wanting to, to, to achieve and accomplish? Or are we just wondering? Are we ambling through life as Christians? There are lots of Christian amblers. I've come to realize that. There's not something if you sit and say to them, what is it that you want to do? What is it that you want to achieve? What is it that you want to accomplish? What we do is we amble. I'm a Christian, and so I read my Bible, and I go to church, and I, I do Christian stuff, and I sing Christian songs, and I try to mix with Christian people because we, we're Christian amblers. But where are you going? If you don't know where you're going, there's a wonderful saying. If you don't know what, if you're just wondering, if you don't know where you're going, any road will get you there. That's the problem with so many Christians. We don't have an objective as to where we're going. I'm trying to achieve this. I want to accomplish that. I'm not talking about in your flesh. I'm not talking about a works program. I'm talking about in your relationship with God. Do you have an appetite for something that is so alive and so burning in you that it's like it drives you? And it's something that's so alive and seized on the inside of you. It's like, I want that. You see, if we don't have a goal, where are we going? We play church. We do church stuff and we do Christian stuff. And we just keep wandering around the same mountain, checking the same view, but we never go anywhere. We live as ostriches, but we've never flown. You've got to flap your wings to fly. Even flightful, flight birds, birds of flight, that's a better English way. I can't even speak English. It's a better way of saying it. Birds of flight, there comes a time when you're in the nest where you know you're going to get pushed out. Why? Because you've got to learn how to fly. Do you want to learn how to fly? What is the appetite of our lives? And these are things that I'm just sharing with you, my heart, and the journey that I'm on. And so the thing about it is, I think the Lord is speaking today. <laughs> God has been so good to me. I'm sure he's been good to you. He can't help it just because he's a good God. But if I think back on him, his provision has been there so many times in life when I never even recognized it until after the fact. 
His blessing has been there. He's taken care of me. He's provided for me. He's given me an incredible wife. He's given me an incredible family. He's given me so many wonderful, great things in my life. And look at where I am today. And it's like, I, 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 I wouldn't be here without the goodness of God. And so the goodness of God is a wonderful thing. And it's wonderful to be established in the goodness of God. The question is this, are you just satisfied with that or do you want more? Are you satisfied in the ambling in the goodness or do you sit and say, I want something more than this? Because I know that there is more to the kingdom and I know that there is more to the spirit life and I know that there is more to be able to connect with a realm and a dimension beyond the natural realm where I can link with God and I can explore the possibilities of God which I'm not able to do in this realm which introduces me to the spectacular, to the supernatural, to a way of living which is different to where I am right now it introduces me to the possibilities of the spirit realm is that something you want i don't know we have to all answer it for ourselves but what would it look like in your everyday life if god manifested himself with regularity what would it look like if the very nature of god was so defining in who i was that i i, I wouldn't recognize who i was three months from now I was just so changed by who he is. What if the spirit was so evident in who I was and how I lived and how he defined who I was that things and the way that I approached situations were totally transformed? What if I experienced the fullness of, or even just began to touch God's power and his authority? What would it look like in my life? How would everyday life change as a result of those things? And I think that there's a place, this was for me anyway. So I, I can tell I'm talking about me, okay? <laughs> so then you can all feel comfortable tonight. You can just, today, just sit comfortably in your sheer seat because it's not about you. But there comes a place where you have to be authentic and real with yourself, where you can come face to face with some scriptures and sit and say, you know what, do I really just have a form of godliness without the power? It's no use sitting saying, yes, I, I agree with that, and, and that's not who we are because we're charismatics, because we are a faith church, because we are a spirit-filled church. I have to be honest with myself. And in that space, sit and say, do I really have a form of godliness that isn't necessarily characterized by the power? And then in that place, you have to answer a question, is it what you want? Some people are happy being ostriches. I don't mean that in a bad way, but I'm serious. There are some people that are, casual, are very comfortable being casual Christians. And it's okay. They're going to heaven and they'll experience it and they'll live by you, you know, what God has gifted and given to them in the goodness of God. And they're happy there. But I don't want to live there. I don't want to live there. I want something more. And so in that space, you got begin to look at things and, and we're always introduced to the importance and the significance of the word of God, the rhema of God, relationship with God, being able to speak to God. And that is important to us. But then it starts to open up another question for us, which is, are we hearers of the word? And we do, or are we doers as well? I don't mean sitting, taking it, and just actively just doing it. That's part of it. What I'm saying is, do I feel equipped and enabled to be able to walk into the reality of what that's all about? Because Moses didn't. He knew what God wanted him to do, and he stood in that place and he said, I can't do this. 
He was a hero of the word, but he wasn't a doer. And he says, I'm not the person for the job. Find somebody else. He told God that. When God didn't take his excuses, he said, find somebody else, which wasn't an excuse. It was a request. <laughs> to be at a place we were able to straddle both of these realms and to be able to take the things of a different dimension and introduce them becomes so consequential. I believe that is the fullness of what the Christian life is all about. It's available and it's accessible to everybody, but it's very contingent on how hungry we are for it. I think the thing that's so important about it is that God in the space is wanting us to recognize a couple of things. If you're feeling unqualified, he's okay with that. He's like, that's a good space to be. Because what it means is that your eyes are on the wrong thing. It's on me. And so the invitation in that place is if you're feeling unqualified, is to take your eyes off yourself and to put it on him. And he's saying, if you begin to look at me, then you start to sit and say, well, God is there and he's wanting to introduce me to something more. So let me not look at myself anymore. Let me begin to have a look at him. And the question is, how do I partner with him? And how do I be able, and how am I able to be sensitive to what it is that he's wanting to do in situations so that I allow him to begin to do some stuff in me and through me? Look at Romans chapter 11, verse 36. I'm going to read it out of the Passion. For out of him, the sustainer of everything, came everything. And now everything finds fulfillment in him. May all praise and honor be given to him forever. Amen. What it's saying is this. Rule number one is this. Take your eyes off yourself and put it on him. Anytime you start feeling inadequate, any time you start feeling as though I don't have the ability, anytime you start feeling anything along those lines of being disqualified, it's because we're looking at the wrong things. Change and start to look at him. Because the thing about it is, in him, everything has been authored and everything will be completed. That's what that scripture is saying. So if we're looking for authoring and completion, the opportunity exists for us to connect with him and do some stuff with him. God wants us, just give me a second just to see where I want to go here. Okay. Um, baby, won't you pass me my water, please? Thanks. God, God is looking for us to partner with him. That's what God is looking to do. God is, in, in essence, is sitting saying, what I want to do is I want for you to understand what it is to be a branch. What I want you to do is take yourself, your eyes off yourself because it's not about you, it's about the vine. So recognize the fact that if it's not about me, it's about him. Number one, my eyes are on him. Number two, I've got to get grafted into the vine. The intention that he wants for us to do is to be grafted into the vine because that is the source of everything that, he, that, that life is all about. He is the vine and we are the branches. John chapter 15 and verse 5. 
I'm quicker than you, Donna. Maybe not. I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. It's so liberating because what God's saying is this. It's not up to you to make sure that this happens. You are not the vine. You are the branch. The source of everything comes from the vine. What he's saying is, I want your disposition and your, your attitude to life to change and to shift and to recognize that it's no longer about me and my ability. It's about my dependence on the vine. That is a big shift for us because we're not raised in a culture that builds that or celebrates that. The culture that we raised in is you are responsible for your own life. And there is merit for to that. I get that on the other side. But unfortunately, in the spiritual realm, that's inconsequential. In fact, that's going to get you in trouble. It's going to prohibit you um, from actually entering into what God has for you. Dependence is all about linking into the vine. The vine becomes the source of everything in our life. We have to recognize and begin to shift our disposition to realize that the possibilities of what could happen in this situation are not limited to my ability, but what does the vine say? What is the vine going to do in this space? I don't know. Only the vine knows. If you want an idea, open the word of God. If you want to get clarity, go and meet with the spirit of God. He'll tell you what it is that he wants to do there. What he's saying to you in that space is, it's probably going to wobble you a little bit because what I want to do is defined by the spirit realm, not by the natural realm. And our natural inclination is to approach the things of God from the, spirit, uh, from the natural disposition. So we start to wobble every time he invites us to do something because we don't know how it's going to be done. And he keeps sitting saying, I want you to change. Remember the focus. Keep your focus. It's not about you. It's about me. The possibilities of that situation are not defined by yourself. If you could do it, he would leave it up to you. But when he wants to do something, it's to transcend the limitations of where we are and take us beyond those boundaries. So it's important for us in our life to begin to realize the fact that there is a spirit dimension. When he talks about linking into the vine, he's talking about who we are as natural people linking into the spiritual dimension. He is the vine. What he's saying is, allow the disposition and the reality that exists in the spirit realm to begin to inform you so that you can see what it is that he's wanting to do in that place. Don't be natural. We're spirit people having a natural experience. So we're shifting. We're changing a little bit. It becomes consequential because it's something that Jesus lived by. You're shocked, but it's true. Look at John 14 verse 10. Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? Do you know what he's saying? I am the vine. He is the vine. I am the branch. That's what, exactly what he's saying in that space. He's saying the Father is the vine in me and I am the branch in the vine. The two of us are linked that way. The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. What he's saying is this. Jesus lived from the spirit dimension. And so he was very much aware of the spiritual side of things. And as a result of that, that is what gave impetus, what gave influence, what gave definition to his life. As a spirit being in a natural body, 
What ended up happening was he lived in close relationship with the father on the inside of him. And every time he moved into a situation or a circumstance, he was waiting for the father to introduce to him what it is that he wanted to say or do in that space. It's not me who does it, it's the father. When he committed himself to certain things, Peter, walk on the water. Where did it come from? The father. What he was saying was, the reason I can tell you that and the reason that I know that this is going to happen is because I've linked into another dimension. It can happen because of this. When he laid his hands on the sick and said, be healed, he was looking for healing in that space because the dimension on the inside of him that he was linked into, the vine is able to do things that the branch can't do in and of itself. Are you with me this morning? Everybody's very quiet. So he's doing the stuff on the inside of us. He's working with us all the time. He's wanting to shift us and change us. He's wanting to introduce us to the fact that we can live as a branch and there is freedom and ease in being the branch because I don't have the responsibility of fulfilling it. He does. But I have to be at a place where I know how to partner with him, how I can hear his voice, how I can listen to him, how I can be obedient, Jackie, to him, because when I position myself in that place, things happen. Things happen. I am the branch. The branch bears the fruit, not the vine. The reason that he needs you is because you are the gateway between the spirit realm and the natural realm. When God created man, he created him as a living soul. What did he do? He took spirit and he put it inside of flesh, which was natural, and he put the two together and created a unique being called a living soul. What made man so unique, what made him distinct from any other creation was that he had the the ability and the capacity to link into the spirit dimension and he lived in the natural dimension. We were to live from the spirit realm and to introduce it to the natural realm. God's taking us back to our original design. The thing about it is, why is it that he wanted to sit and work through Moses? Why didn't God just appear to Pharaoh and go, here you go, here's Archangel Michael. Because the things that he wants to do in the earth, he does through people. He needs to have a legal access to the space. Why was Jesus born in the flesh? Because spirit had to take on flesh so that it could take what was in the other realm and put it into the natural realm. That's why Jesus had to take on flesh. That's why he couldn't just be Jesus, the Holy Spirit, which would be the equivalent, wandering around here. He had to take on human form because in that space, he was able to be a conduit from one dimension into another. God's introduced you to the idea that he wants for you to be a conduit between the spirit dimension and the natural dimension. We don't have to work too hard at getting that customized, acclimatized to the natural realm. We've lived in it for so long. But what's very new to us is beginning to explore what is the spirit dimension all about and how does it operate? What does it look like? How is it characterized? What is the nature of God? How is it that he wants to work with me and do some stuff through me? And how is it that I can actually link and partner with him in a meaningful and intimate way so that I become a branch which is free-flowing of the life of God so that I beg much fruit I'm glad you asked that question, Rafa. Amos 3.3 says, 
How can two work together, walk together unless they agree? How can two walk together unless they agree? What he's talking about is this. It's very difficult for God to do some stuff in our circumstances and our situations. It's hard to, for God to do some things in our life when we're at odds with God. Sometimes God wants to do some stuff, but we don't believe it. And that basically puts the period at the end of the sentence. God waits. When Jesus went back to his hometown, it says, Jesus could do no mighty works there because of their unbelief. Unbelief. So he's wanting to do something in us to affect our beliefs. Because when he starts to affect our beliefs and he starts to change and affect who we are, what ends up happening is those things that really clog up the arteries start to get out of the way. And so it becomes free-flowing. Free-flowing. The thing about it is, medicine has taken us so far today. And there's so many incredible things that they can do. And one of the things that they can do is they can actually give you a new organ. It's called a transplant. They can give you a new heart. The thing about a transplant is this. They have to be really careful with it. Because the thing is, if it's not totally of the same kind and nature of the body that it's going into, what ends up happening is a red flag goes off in the body. And what happens is that the body, the immune system of the body, begins to recognize that there's an antigen, a foreign substance in the body. And what it does is it triggers the immune system to sit and say, something's wrong here. Something's, there's something foreign that's in the body right at the moment. What it's saying is we can't work together. We can't fulfill the function here because, we, because we're, not, we're not one in the space. The whole purpose behind, some of the, behind the things that God wants to do, well, let me rephrase that. There is purpose behind everything that God wants to do. When he says, be conformed to the image of Christ, there is a purpose behind it. What he's saying is, unless you conform to the image of Christ, unless you in those areas become changed and become take on the nature of who the Father is, it's hard for him to communicate and to work with us because we're at odds with him. So what he wants to do is he wants to get us at a place where who he is and what he's about begins to change and transform who we are. And so we take on the nature of who Christ is. Why? Because then the branch begins to look like the vine. This is not a works program. It's not me working to get something from, grace, uh, from God. It's recognizing the fullness of what grace is. And grace isn't just here to give me stuff. Grace is here to transform my life. Right, grace is here to make me in the image of who Christ is. And when it begins to shift and change who I am, it begins to put me in a brand new place where all of a sudden, experientially, I start to take on what I am legally. All of a sudden, I become righteous. Why is righteousness important? Yes, I'm made righteous at salvation. It's legally righteous. But have you noticed there are some things you do through the day that God probably wouldn't label as being righteous? Why? Because legally I'm righteous. When he looks at me, the father sees me through the blood of Jesus and he goes, you are righteous. The advantage to that right at the moment is this. As you live your life, you now have access to what's going to define you. Either righteousness or yourself. 
And in that space, I've got to make a decision about what's going to give definition to who I am. What he's saying is, when you allow my Holy Spirit to come and introduce you to the fullness of what I'm all about, it presents opportunities for you to step into wholeness. Jesus said, be holy as as I am holy. What is he saying? He was saying, be complete as I am. When the Holy Spirit makes us complete, he fulfills us in a, in a, in a position so that we can, we are congruent with who the Holy Spirit is. We, he's cha- changing the nature and, and the definition of what the branch looks like so we can comfortably move in and get further and grafted into the vine. They're not things that are at odds with it in some way. Does that make sense? So he's working with us. The reason that he's doing that is because when he begins to work with us, he begins to change who we are so that we are positioned to be a comfortable conduit for what he wants to do. I'm not at odds with who he is. So he's beginning to do some stuff. So when he talks about us being conformed to the image of Christ, how practically do we do this? I'm so glad you asked. We conform to the image of Christ by renewing our mind. What is your mind? Your understanding. In essence, it's your understanding. At its most fundamental, it's your understanding. Your understanding of who you are. Your mind is a spiritual entity. It's not your brain. It's your spiritual entity. And it gives definition to who you are. It's the most sacred part of your heart. It is the holy of holies. Who I am. Your understanding. Who I am. What defines my identity. And in that space, it becomes important because I can either define my identity from my world and my experience and other people's opinions and my point of view and other people's perspectives and everything else which comes in and gives definition to how I see myself, how I perceive myself, how I view myself, and how, as a result of that, I think and choose and act. Or I can sit and say, you know what, I've recognized how sacred that is. And the only person really who should have access to the Holy of Holies is God himself. And when I allow God into my Holy of Holies and he begins to give definition to who I am, all of a sudden I am that I am begins to give definition to who I am. And suddenly I begin to see things differently and I see myself differently and I take on a whole new complexion because the way that I see myself is not limited anymore by the natural, but all of a sudden it's been overlaid by the possibilities of the spiritual dimension. So my identity becomes so much more expansive because I see myself as a branch connected to the vine. All of a sudden in that space, the opportunities and the potential that is available to me is so much more expansive than just me doing it from what I know and what I've experienced from my training, from my skills, and from my knowledge. My understanding is important. My understanding is not just about who I am, but my understanding is what I think of God. If I allow my experience to define who I think of God, I can see God as being a very harsh person. I can see a God being a person who withholds from me. If I allow experience to define how, the, how I see God, I could see God as a person who is quite cruel. I can't see God as the person who delivers me. Why? Because what's defined that has been my experience and my engagement with the world. 
That's why your heart is the most sacred place. And so I hold on to and I protect that because really what should inform who I am and my understanding should be the I am that I am. When I am that I am defines my understanding of who God is, suddenly my eyes are enlightened and I begin to see from a whole new dimension because it's become more expansive because it's not limited to the natural and everything that goes with it. But all of a sudden I've introduced the supernatural, the spiritual dimension to that. I've invited the Holy Spirit to come in and redefine it. So my understanding becomes so important. Your understanding is fundamental to everything. That's why God's not after your head. And he's not after your hands, what you can do. What is he after? Your heart. Why? Because if I get your understanding, your understanding is the very foundation of what your life is built on. And it will determine how you think and how you choose and how you feel. The essence of your life flows from that place. And if I can take that place and I can get that place defined from spiritual matter as opposed to natural matter, all of a sudden something begins to happen in my life. We're so accustomed to being defined from the natural, we live from those places. And there are lots of holes. And there are lots of issues. And there are lots of insecurities. And there are lots of inabilities. Because it's all natural. And what he's inviting us into is, let me come into that space and give definition to your understanding. Let me do that. Because when I do it, I don't do a half a job. I'll introduce you to holiness, wholeness, and completion. And so when God becomes and begins to define who I am and how I see myself and God and life, what ends up happening is there is a fundamental shift that takes, change, that takes place in me because suddenly I see everything from a more holistic perspective. I'm not an idiot. It's not like I go through life with blinkers on and I'm not recognizing the fact that I'm being challenged physically or there is a serious problem here. I see all of that stuff. I recognize it. I'm not a fool. But I also recognize the fact that I'm playing from a far, my deck is full. My deck is full. I'm not just playing with half the pack. All of a sudden, I recognize the fact that I have a spirit dimension that's come into play. And I'm recognizing and seeing things not from the branches perspective, but from the vine's perspective. I begin to see things because I can't do this, but the vine can. I couldn't change that, but the vine can. I can't make that happen by the vine, but the vine can. And I begin to realize the truth that greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. Because it's not about me, but it's about the vine. When he begins to change the foundation of my life, and what informs my understanding is spirit informed as opposed to natural informed i live differently and what ends up happening is i find myself walking by the the substance of my understanding which is spirit walking by the spirit we think walking by the spirit is the holy spirit has to be there each step of the way saying go left go right do this pick up that that's being led by the spirit the spirit will lead you into certain things jesus was led into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit. Not every step Jesus took was led by the Spirit. He walked by the Spirit. Why did he walk by the Spirit comfortably? Because the foundation and the understanding of his life was informed by the Father. It was Spirit, the very nature of it, the the, the substance of it was Spirit. 
So when he lived from spirit, he lived from that place. He walked from that place. He saw from that place. He acted from that place. He chose from that place. He felt from that place. Everything came. He was walking by the spirit. That's how God has influence in our lives. The thing about it is when we start moving into that space and we allow the vine to give definition to the branch, we start moving into what is true Christianity. It's not just something that I know. It's something that I become. It's something that I become. Look at Luke. Chapter 6, verse 45. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What he's saying is this. The reason that anything that goes into your heart, good or evil, is treasure, is because it has the significance and the the implication of affecting everything that it touches. What it's saying is your heart is a treasure chest. Guard it. Guard it. To walk by the Spirit requires intentionality on our behalf. It doesn't just happen. It requires intentionality. Guard your heart. There is a requirement put in place that God says, I want for you to be the filter of what goes into that space and what doesn't. We have to be intentional and move to a place where we begin to recognize what it is that I digest. There is a lot of stuff that's going to come in from your environment and your world, and social media hasn't helped any of that. But recognize when things that are consequential come in and begin to affect the essence of your life, things that are that meaningful, stop for a minute before you digest it and before you allow it to splash all over the imagination, the eye of your heart, and give definition to your beliefs. Move to a place where you sit and say, hold on a second, what nature am I digesting here? Is it something that is of him or is it something that's of the world? And if it's of the world, throw it up. (laughs) Spit it out. Get it out. Because you don't want it in that space. Because once it does get in there, it contaminates. What ends up happening is it creates blockages in arteries. And God, God can't do some stuff in that place. Because I'm overwhelmed with something which is not of him. So he's doing some stuff and he's changing some stuff. He wants us to realize who it is that we are. And he's trying to expand our idea and and our perception. He's trying to put us at a place where he allows who he is to introduce himself to us in a meaningful way in terms of our understanding so that we can begin to walk that out in our lives. That's another whole section then. Um, Sorry, I'm just, I'm watching the time because there's something I want to do at the end here. Your beliefs are important. Your beliefs are so important because what you believe is what gives definition to your understanding. Be careful what you believe 
Believe in a, in, a, in a meaningful way is the things that you allow, that you digest, that you allow into your heart. It's a belief. And it begins de- to give definition to who we are, either spiritual or natural. Let me leave you with this. I'll, I'll carry on with this next week, but I, I, I want to do something now. But um, God is so excited about life with you. Here's the summary version. God is so excited about life with you. And he wants to live in partnership with you intimately. He wants us to recognize the fact that he is the source of our life. And the possibilities and things that can happen in our life are so much more expansive when we begin to recognize and realize who he is. He wants us to get to a place where we begin to take the eyes off ourselves and our abilities and our insecurities and what we are not about and what we are about and put them on him. And when we begin to put them on him, what ends up happening is we open the door for an introduction. We open the door for him to move into a space where he begins to do some stuff in our life. He takes the things that are of him and he begins to define who we are, his perspective, his view. And when he begins to change the understanding of our life, which is the foundation of our life, how we see ourselves is going to shift. Because we're going to recognize the I am that I am has had influence in that place. His fingerprints are all over my understanding. When he begins to change my understanding, the way that I approach life is going to shift. Because he's going to change who I am. He's going to change the fruit of my life. He's going to change the the potential and possibilities of my life. Because all of a sudden, it's no longer dependent on me. I'm nothing more than a vessel for what the vine wants to do through me. Things begin to shift and change. I believe this is what's so important about our Christianity, is that we take our eyes off us and we allow him to come into that place. When he begins to move into that space, the possibilities of who he is begin to materialize. That's where we should be living. That's where he wants us to live. Honestly, that's light and salt to the world. It's him. He is light and salt. Light and salt is not people looking at the branch and saying it's a lovely branch. Light and salt is the branch delivering fruit, fruit that is of the vine. And when the fruit there is of the vine, people will look at that and go like, that's incredible. We have opportunities available to us that that transcend... Uh, we can't fathom the things that God wants to do about us. We're so limited. It's so funny. I I don't know about you, but sometimes when I read the things of the Bible, I sit and say, well, that'll never happen nowadays. (laughs) Have you ever done that? I mean, go and sit at the seaside and be like, gee, God's going to part this for me. (laughs) See where your faith levels are. But we don't think like that because I've begun to realize that it's a journey. And God takes us one step at a time. And so... Don't get discouraged because you can't part the seas. The thing about it is just get to the place where you sit and say, Father, you know what? I discovered something about God today which was incredible. You know what? He introduced me to an aspect and a truth of who he was, and it's totally shifted and changed who I am. Something happened. That's a good thing. You're on the journey. You got something from him. Take that and run with it. In the situations of your life, Our natural inclination is not to run to God. Our natural inclination is to fix it. I know that there's some things that we can fix. And I think, you know, 
be a smart person. If you can do some stuff in the natural, that's great. But the encouragement that I want is be intentional about sitting, saying, you know what, this is consequential. Hold on a second. I'll get back to you. God, talk, talk to me a little bit about how we handle this. Show me how to do this. And the thing about it is this. It's like, you know what, I, 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 God ooh, gave me a bit of a hard one, a bit of a whack on the knuckles. We don't pray for people enough. You know what we do? We give them good counsel. Sometimes people don't need your good counsel. Your good counsel isn't going to fix their situation. Sometimes what people need is they need God in their situation. And the opportunity to pray for people becomes so powerful because in that space, as I'm beginning to shift and change my disposition to life and how I engage with people, it offers me the opportunity in a practical realm to take something of the spirit realm and sit and say, you know what, Father, I know that this is your plan for this place. I, I know that you want this person healed. I know that you want to provide for them right here. I know that there's a door that's in the way, and I know that you can open some stuff here that other people can't do. Take something of the spirit realm. Link up with the Holy Spirit and say, I'm coming into agreement with you. And we're going to pray in the situation. Why? Because sometimes with our best intentions, what we have to say is not as material as what he can do. But if we can put him into the situation and stuff happens, they'll come back to you. But if you never put him in there, they never know. All they ever have is your nice words, your good counsel. And so for me, I'm learning more and more to be intentional about sitting, saying, in this situation, how do I introduce something of the Spirit? How do I introduce something that's of God? With your tithes, be intentional. Don't just put money in. Let me tell you, it's consequential for God because it's, this is, it's just an example. And everybody gets touchy with money. It's all the people on camera. <laughs> but do something with it. Because God makes incredible promises that go with the tither. There are things that you can lay claim to. Lay claim to that stuff. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse and prove me now if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour out blessings on you that you can't contain. Let that overwhelm you. Spend time letting that fill your imagination. If you're a tither. If you're not a tither, you, 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 you can't get that. If you want it, it just goes with the tither. That's just what God says. Don't argue with me. I didn't say it. He did. But if you're a tither, think about that and lay claim to that. Father, you know what? This is what you said. I really don't understand the fullness of what the, this is. And I know everybody gives us words and I get that and I appreciate that. But you really don't understand it. We, don't under, we, we understand the things of God in such a limited way. Put yourself in a place where you sit and say, Father... I'm surrendering my imagination to you. What does that look like to be overwhelmed by open heavens? What does it look like in your life for him to rebuke the devourer for your sake? Spend time with your imagination. Put your, take your eyes off yourself and get it on God and sit and say, speak to me about that. 
Here, I surrender my imagination, the eyes of my heart to you. Show me how it is that you're going to come into the space, what it is that you're going to do, how you're going to rebuke the devourer for my sake. Because when he begins to shift and change your understanding of life and situations, you're going to walk into some things and some stuff's going to happen and you're going to say, no, that's the devourer. You're not welcome here. You can't say that. That's so weird. Of course it's weird. It's spiritual. It's not natural. But it's a promise that's due to me. I thank you, Father, for that. What do open heavens look like in your life? What do your life situations look like? And if God was to flood that situation, what would it look like? I don't know. Ask him. But don't go to him and tell him what to do. Sometimes we get disillusioned with God because we go to God and we've got an idea as to how things should work out. And we tell God, we want this. Thank you for open heavens. And he's saying, I don't want to do that. I know where that leads. Bad choice. And sometimes you just have to trust him. And sometimes you may not get a deal. And you think, well, I'm a tither. What happened to me? God didn't prosper me. He did. You have no clue what was coming down the road of that one. Maybe that one wasn't paying you. I don't know. He does. But there has to come a place where we trust him. And whatever happens, I step into the shoes of Lot. (laughs) Doesn't matter what happens in my life. Doesn't matter what situations look like. Doesn't matter what's going on. I may not be able to understand it. I may not be able to interpret it, but I will trust him. Can you trust him? Let him come into your heart. Let him come into your understanding. Open your imagination to the Holy Spirit to flood your life with who he is and what he wants to do. Let him give definition to it because what he defines, he invites us into. And what he invites us into is because he's authored it. And if he's authored it, he's going to fulfill it. Now, just before we close, on time. How's that? Down to the very second, eh? But before we do go, um, Gary Manners is in the hospital. And so his lungs aren't doing well and his body isn't performing. And so you can't do anything to help him. And neither can I. Don't look at me like that. You're supposed to be ahead of me in this game here. But the vine can do some stuff that we can't do. So we're going to come into agreement and we're going to agree for the vine to do something in his body. Okay? Father, I just want to thank you for the stripes of Jesus. I want to thank you, Father, that by the stripes of Jesus, we are healed. And Father, right now as we bring Gary before you, I want to thank you that you are the God of possibilities. I want to thank you that by the stripes of Jesus, we are healed. And we speak to every organ in Gary's body. We speak to his lungs. In Jesus' name, you function as God intended for you to function. We speak healing into those lungs, and we speak a creative miracle into that lung, into those lungs, if that's what he requires. I want to thank you, Holy Spirit, for touching his body. I thank you for his blood count moving to where it needs to be. I want to thank you that every part of that body, from the top of his head to the soles of his feet, is touched by you, is healed, is whole. I want to thank you for that.
I bless you for your healing. I thank you, Holy Spirit, for your power that's working in his body right now. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You see, you haven't even gone out of church and you've done something spiritual. How about that? (laughs) Okay, so this is your homework. You don't get out of here scot-free. This is your homework for this week. Put God into some situation. Don't do it of your own village. Start to build up a sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. And you will feel, go and do this. Go and do it. Whatever that was. Okay?